0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ.
1: I know a young mother who recently endured the hospitalization of her new baby, only two months old. The baby contracted a virus that bordered on being bronchitis. The baby was still nursing, so its condition deteriorated rapidly because it became so congested that it could not breathe through its nose and found it difficult to breathe through its mouth. The baby was nursing, so the bottom line of all this congestion is that it was not able to nurse. In other words, there was a major problem. The baby couldn't breathe, so it couldn't eat. It was deteriorating and dehydrating rapidly. The baby was going to die if this condition had continued. As a two-month-old baby, I'm sure it was unable to figure out what was going on. The baby was hungry, but when it tried to eat, it was prevented because it was unable to suck and breathe at the same time. Became more and more hungry, more and more dehydrated. It cried because that was all it could do. It couldn't say, I'm hungry, mummy. I can't breathe, mummy. What about the mother? She was obviously at wit's end corner. Thoroughly frustrated and confused, watching her baby deteriorate down that slippy road toward eventual death. Watching her child desperately try to eat, but being prevented because of the congestion in its lungs. Her heart must have been torn in a most devastating way. She said, actually, that it was the hardest thing that she had ever done a feeling of helplessness, of watching her baby lie on the bed, dying slowly. But thank goodness for modern medicine and the intervention of that. Good hospitals. When it was apparent that there was nothing more that could be done to save the baby, she was transferred to a hospital. There they had specially adapted intravenous procedures, formulae and processes that intervened in the normal process stepped in to save the baby. Still, sitting wearily by the baby's bedside, that mother watched her precious little one struggle with life and death issues. Thank God the nurses were trained and proficient and knew how to handle this most delicate and urgent situation. They performed admirably and the baby gradually passed the point of no return, returned to the place where she was able to feed normally. The infection cured, the congestion eventually dissipated with the trained attention of the nurses. The drip continued to provide life-giving nutrient and the dehydration was eventually corrected. The baby's health slowly returned and reached the point where she was discharged from the hospital and went home where today she's almost back to normal. I guess we'll never know how close she came to leaving this world and returning to the God who made her. Having been close to this situation, I can still feel the intense emotions that attend the story. Looking at the child now, she is beautiful and responsive and brings incredible joy to her parents and extended family. No one will ever know from outward appearances how close she came to death. She will not even know because she was so young when it happened. Those of us who lived through it will never forget. At times like these, when all human efforts are expended, when there's nothing more that we can do humanly. When human effort has reached its limits when in other words we must then leave the outcome to god in our weakness and limitations and recognizing our frailty we understandably stop our doing and turn the matter over to god the secret is really whether we can actually willingly turn the result over to god knowing he will do the best possible thing in every situation to sit back content that God will do the right thing, even if it is not what we want, humanly speaking. That takes strength, huge spiritual strength, in fact, strength that comes from a deep and continuing relationship with that God. Not my will, but yours be done, in a matter of speaking, and so to really mean it with your heart. In this instance, in the situation I described earlier, God, in his grace, let the baby live. Everyone is so grateful and thankful, difficult to contemplate the alternative if God had chosen to take the baby back to heaven, but satisfied that if that being his decision, everyone would have accepted his decision and lived with the result. How very important it is to grow in your relationship with God and to be able to accept his will in every circumstance of life. Makes for a less problematic life, doesn't it? And now with this message for today, Here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Good
2: morning. Today, Christians throughout the world celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem at the beginning of the Passion Week, the final week of events that climaxed in the ignominious death and glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus begins his week in the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in Bethany, followers who were not afraid to publicize. The acquaintance with him. And it ends in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, a follower who was afraid to do so until that time. In between, some of the most momentous, history-shaping, humanity-impacting, unforgettable events transpired. And at the end of the week, Jesus laid in a cold rock-hewn grave, the gift of a previously secret follower. And on the eighth day, the first day of the following week, God, in his unsurpassable love and unfathomable wisdom, turned that slap by a man into a kiss of love by causing this awful event to be turned into the very means of reconciling man back to himself. And he demonstrated this by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Hallelujah! What a Savior! But let's reflect for a few moments now on the event that started this week, the event that Christian world is celebrating today, the event we usually call the triumphal entry or Palm Sunday. In actuality, this was undoubtedly the most untriumphant entry ever made by a king. Please follow with me then as I read from Luke's record of the event, Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 29. And it came to pass about that time when he approached Bethpage and Bethany, Near the mound that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, in which you enter. You will find a cold tie on which no one yet has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Thus shall you speak, The Lord has need of it. End of quote. That, of course, is from the King James Version. Now, this scene depicts the scrupulous preparation for Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, and it underscores the fact that it was an event planned long in advance by God. Everything was predetermined. Jesus knew exactly what was to happen, and it appears so did others, even though they couldn't fully understand it themselves. Listen to verse 33, for instance. And those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, owners said to them, Why are you untying this colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. End of quote. That was all that was needed to release one's most prized possession to total strangers. The Lord has need of it. This lowly, much ridiculed animal was needed by God himself to accomplish one of the most significant events in the life of his son. And that was his official presentation as the Messiah King of Israel. My friends, he still uses the lowly and despised of the world today to do his greatest work. Once they are willing to bow to his divine authority, something that most of those who are considered by the world to be high and mighty refuse to do. But notice now Luke's recording of the joyous procession that swept Jesus into Jerusalem. Verse 35. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their garments on the colt and put Jesus on it. And as he was going, they were spreading their garments in the road. And as he was now approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles which they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered and said, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. End of quote. The unbroken colt was a symbol of the peaceful nature of the king. He did not come on a white stallion charger, the symbol of a mighty warrior, but on a young donkey, the symbol of meekness, humility, and peace. This sends a message that, in keeping with their spiritual blindness, the Jewish people did not understand at the time. All they saw was the power exhibited in his miracles. And in spite of their words of praise, they saw only peace in heaven, but not peace on earth. In their minds, they could only come by the swift and violent overthrow of Rome, and that's what the Jewish people were looking for. The people are caught up, however, in a mob mentality— acting without really thinking. Right words are said and great slogans are shouted, but it is all done with zeal without knowledge. Because you see, this same crowd, only five days later, when the expectations are not met and manipulated by unscrupulous leaders, these same people will shout with even more enthusiasm, crucify him, crucify him. The triumphal entry was Jesus' official and formal presentation of himself as the long-awaited and expected Messiah King. His reception was mixed, however. Those who lived outside of Jerusalem, but who were there to celebrate the annual Passover, greeted him warmly and hailed him as the Messiah King, joyfully shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, as they threw palm leaves in his path. However, those who lived in Jerusalem, especially the religious and political leaders of the people, perceived him as a threat to their positions of prestige and power, and they were determined to kill him. But notice now the sad but categorical rejection of the king and the certain judgment for that action as stated in verse 41. And when Jesus approached, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day even you the things which make of peace. But now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the day shall come upon you when your enemies will throw up a bank before you and surround you and hem you in on every side and will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. End of quote. Jesus, who was aware of his... Official rejection, even before it occurred, weeps over the city and condemns it for not realizing the significance of this particular day as his entrance into the city as their Messiah king. What a tragedy! His prediction was literally fulfilled some 40 years later when the Roman general Titus entered Jerusalem with his army and literally burned the city of Jerusalem to the ground. He sacked it of all its wealth. He raped his women and slaughtered the children. And it all happened because they missed the significance of this day we now call Palm Sunday. And that was the presentation of Jesus as their Messiah King. But let me ask you, because I wonder, even today, if we also don't miss the significance of this momentous events in the life of Jesus Christ as well. I would like to point out to you three current, relevant, and vital facts That this event impacts upon us today first it attests to the fact that the bible is the infallible word of god and therefore cannot only be trusted and relied upon but also it must be obeyed you see jesus rebuked and condemned the jews for not knowing the significance of the day he entered jerusalem and presented himself as the messiah king why because this event was the subject of jewish prophetic teaching for hundreds of years, 463 years to be exact. You see, Daniel had predicted this event, giving the very amount of years and days that would transpire from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the entry of the Messiah. These prophetic dates were so accurate that Bible scholars have been able to determine from biblical and historical records that Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem took place on March the 30th, 33 AD God's words my friend was 100% accurate it happened just as he said it would and when he said it would happen this means that the bible can be trusted and relied upon it is god's word to us even today but it must be obeyed to profit us the jewish people did not do this they had the word of god they knew of the coming messiah but they still were not ready to receive him when he came. But secondly, the triumphal entry is also a divine warning to us not to neglect or to reject and disobey the word of God. You see, our eternal salvation depends upon our response to what God tells us in his word. Jesus condemned the Jews for not realizing that the day of his entry into Jerusalem was also their day of salvation. But in the words of the writer to the book of Hebrews, they neglected the word of God's great salvation and therefore allowed their day of salvation to pass them by. My friends, I trust that you will not allow this to happen to you today. Jesus is passing by right now, and he wants to come into your life. Will you let him in? But finally, Jesus presented himself on the very day the passover lamb was being selected for sacrifice in fact some scholar says that he did it on the very time of day as well now what a profound divine prophetic statement this is not only was jesus presenting himself as king but he was also presenting himself as the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world a few days later and in the view of many bible scholars on april the 3rd 33 ad Jesus Christ, the rejected king, was crucified by an angry, hostile mob of religious people who neglected their day of salvation. But paradoxically, in an amazing demonstration of the wisdom, power, and grace of God, he turned that event into the means of providing salvation, not only for the Jewish race, but for anyone in the entire world who would receive Jesus Christ not only as king, but as savior, the Lamb of God, who died to take away the sins of the world. And so, my friends, this very day we now celebrate as the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem could be your day of salvation if you would allow him to enter your life as a triumphant Savior and Lord. This day could be your triumphal entry into the kingdom of God. So, why not bow your knees and make it so right now? Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior your Lord, and your King. He's passing this way, your way. Let him enter into your life as the King of your life. In that way, you will enter into the Kingdom of God as well. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Selah, think and act on these things.
3: unworthy yet how happy we will be When the Savior comes from heaven When His blessed
0: face we see You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the Sanctuary located on Collins Avenue we extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as Echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, Keep listening for that shout. Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. There
3: forevermore to stay, hold oh, the fort a little longer, in your struggle over sin. Trust the great commander's promise, he will surely come again. Happening a lot.